0: This is Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. Thanks to all our listeners and subscribers, uh, and keep telling your friends about us, please. This was an unprecedented convention. We have a lot to talk about. Also, we have a big announcement about a special episode that we'll be dropping on Monday with a special guest. But I'm saving that until later, at the very end of this podcast. And that's what my producer, Matt, who is putting this all together calls a tease. We're 74 days
1: from election day. What are we doing today, Alex? Hey, Joe. So we got to talk about the convention, right? Let's no. <laughs> let's start with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are officially the Democratic nominees for president and vice president. Let's start with his speech from last night. If you entrust me with the presidency, I will draw on the best of us, not the worst. I'll be an ally of the light, not the darkness. And make no mistake, united we can and will overcome this season of darkness in America. We'll choose hope over fear, facts over fiction, fairness over privilege. This is our moment, this is our mission. May history be able to say that the end of this chapter of American darkness began here, tonight. So, Joe, you said on Twitter that Biden was the best he's ever been in his speech last night, and that was pretty much universal. Well, look, I I meant it. I've
0: uh, watched Joe Biden um, and seen just about every major speech he's ever given, uh, dating back to 1988 campaign for president when I was with uh, Gary Hart and Dick Gephardt uh, on the other side. People forget Um, that there's a reason he got knocked out of that race. It wasn't – Mike Dukakis didn't drop the tape on Joe Biden and knock him out of the race because he wasn't a threat. No, the whole – all the candidates were worried about his skills, actually his his oratory skills, his ability to speak – threatened a lot of people in that race. Uh, He's totally always been underestimated. He gets panned because he he ran twice and and lost. But if you picture it, the entire field went after him in 88. And then in 2008, he's running against what it turns out, one of the great speakers to emerge in the Democratic Party, Barack Obama, who turns around and, and chooses him to be vice president. So I've always thought that... This whole setup that Trump was doing, that he couldn't speak, that he wasn't going to be able to complete sentences was ridiculous, that they were setting the bar to a place where Biden always, always, always has exceeded his expectations when it comes to major speeches. Um, and this was no one, no different. He did. And two, it was literally the best I've seen him. Um, and I think a lot of that, too. Uh, and I think a lot of people pointed this out. um, like with Obama um, and the other speeches at this convention, there's something about not having a roaring crowd uh, and having that direct to camera um, and talking to you almost individually uh, really, really worked for him.
1: You know, one of the things that everyone kept saying, and you could kind of see it on Twitter as he was speaking last night, was basically there's no way, after watching that speech, that Trump can say anything about him being a crazy old man anymore. I'm not sure I buy that, but what do you think?
0: Well, I mean, Trump can keep saying it. It's not true. Uh, and I think, but hey, look, Joe Biden's going to gaff. He's going to make a, a verbal mistake. Uh, I think the most, uh, I mean, that's going to happen and they're going to jump on it. Uh, but I think probably one of the most important moments last night was. Braden Harrington, the young man who- um, the, the stutter.
1: Yeah. Stutter,
0: yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting. I think it was really brilliant to do that. And one, I mean, it was touching and real um, that Joe Biden cared so much that he helped Braden. But I think more importantly, it's kind of one of those things now when Biden does have a gaffe or a problem finding a word- everybody remembers that kid. And I think that that was really a moment, a brilliant moment for whoever put the convention together to to do that and to do it in a way that all of us feel empathy for that kid. We know Joe does. And then when Joe now has a a problem finding the word, we all know why. Right, uh, and put that kid in our head. That's that is an amazing uh, piece of work that the that the convention put together. I think. You know,
1: you, you look back, and it seems like basically every time someone comes up, there's a Biden story of empathy or understanding for basically everyone. And that's a really stark contrast on the other side. I can't think of a single person that's come out and said, "Oh." Trump has, you know, helped me when I was, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? It, yeah, no,
0: no, it's not going to happen. Uh, no, and that's what this whole convention is. Again, it's the uh, side of light over darkness. Uh, I put it chaos, uh, community over chaos. Uh, I mean, that's what this whole convention has been about. It's been about showcase. And, and I think with Joe Biden specifically showcasing, you know, exactly empathy, civility, uh, uh, decency. Uh, in total and complete contrast with, with Donald Trump and everything he is not. And so I think that, and I said this many times on the pod, that I think that contrast is what drove Biden to succeed in the primaries. And it's still, still pushing him towards the presidency uh, and defeating
1: Trump today. You know, I think it's because he exceeded expectations so much last night, but I, I can't help but feel. Last night was maybe the most important moment of his campaign so far.
0: Well, of course it was. I mean, it was there a lot of pressure because uh, if he had stumbled, if anything had um, happened in that speech uh, through, you know, it it would have been uh, everybody would have left out. Of course, the Trump forces would have. But I think, you know, in the end, um, it was about overcoming the season of darkness. I mean, that's where I think a lot of people in the country are. They want to overcome it. Um, but also, I mean, it was a simple message, drawing out the the best of us, not the worst, um, an ally of the light, not the darkness, uh, you know, calling to the country that it's not a partisan moment. I mean, it was uh, and, and saying it must be an American moment. I mean, this is about pulling across party lines, bringing in people and saying, you're you're you know, we're all welcome here. Um, and I think that, you know, if you go back through the convention and you look at at uh, John Kasich and Meg Whitman and some of the Republicans and uh, and I know everybody says Colin Powell is not a Republican, but there are a lot of people out there who who still see him in the Bush administration as a Bush um, Republican. And yeah, yeah and uh, and and so I think all of it combines to yeah. Are are we going to rise to this American moment? That's what this convention was about, and I think. I think I think it did an incredible job. The um, the people who in the Biden campaign, I I know a lot of people um, you know were detractors on how they. Managed messaging in the primaries, but you got to give them, uh, you know. Look, everybody needs to give them a lot of credit for what they put together. It was an, a particularly first virtual convention. The the Trump people now can go to school on this and say, well, let's see, if we can what we can do, so that they actually are benefiting
1: from being second. Yeah. Um, well, they've done a really do good job at organizing on the fly and adapting. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this, by the way, but it just got reported that the Trump campaign has spent a billion dollars so far on its reelect. And yeah. Well, the-
0: that's what I keep saying. Like I keep when Amy Chapman was asking, you know, hey, does it make it? You know, they're going to outdo us on digital, and she's right. I mean, I mean that they've they've got a lead, but the fact is, they spent a billion dollars over, you know. Beating the daylights out of him on television and definitely in digital underneath the hood, attacking where you can't see them with you know specific messages to targeted voters in Michigan or wherever. And guess what? It's not working. So they have to. That's that's what I think is the, the other significant thing that's been going on during the convention. You've seen the Trump. They just can't seem to get a message together and can't figure out. How to come come at him and come at Kamala, and so what I think's happened is yeah, you know take the billion dollars and uh and you know and, and just light it on fire. I mean they, they might as well just put it in a trash can and burn it. that's what i so far we're we're a billion dollars later, and he's still eight, nine, ten points down. throw out that c n n uh anomaly poll. Uh, and hey, maybe it is five, but I don't think that things are going to change a whole lot. I don't think three billion dollars is going to convince people that Joe Biden's your life's could be more chaotic with Joe Biden. Um, I mean, it, it, it's just that's where I think they're stuck. I mean, the president of the United States undo, undoes the, mil, the billion bucks every time he goes out and says
1: anything or tweets anything. So. Obvious, Joe. A lot of great speeches over the the four days. Uh, one of the highlights for for me, at least, were were both Obamas, and they thought they really stole the show. Here's here's a couple of clips from uh, President Obama's speech. Democracy was never meant to be transactional. You give me your vote, I make everything better. It requires an active and informed citizenry. So I'm also asking you to believe in your own ability to make sure that the basic tenets of our democracy endure. Because that's what's at stake right now. Our democracy. This administration has shown it will tear our democracy down if that's what it takes for them to win. So we have to get busy building it up. So it, it, that was a really kind of unprecedented rebuke of a president from another, from a former president. What stu- stood out for you from but that speech? It, that thing. Well, first of all, I agree with you about uh, both
0: Michelle and, and the president um, uh, really doing incredible uh, jobs. And again, I think benefiting from not, uh, you know, can you picture uh, Barack Obama with a thundering, you know, 10,000 person stadium? I'm not sure it would have come off uh, as powerful as it was directly at you the way that was. But the the bigger thing there that he said Um, And it's one of the first times I've ever heard uh, a president or former president um, get there was to sort of point out that the, the devastation of what transactional politics has done to the country. I mean, both parties are guilty of this. Our politics have become completely transactional, right? I'll give you a tax cut for your vote and whoever can come up with the right, the better deal for the voter gets their vote. That's, that's how Trump happened. Um, and what he did say there, and, and, and it's something I've believed for a long time, that the, the problem with democracy, not the problem, but the whole thrill of democracy, right, is you throw the the king and the Brits out, and everything's new. Everything, uh, you, you're transforming everything, uh, because uh people have have taken power we the people, and what happens over time is the part as the the as politics becomes transactional, you lose that um and you know we 're a couple hundred years plus in, and I think both parties uh too often have become transactional, not too often are now. And we have to get to transformational leadership. And transformational leadership is when you you see new leaders in in the neighborhoods, in the grassroots stepping up that didn't know two days ago they were going to be leading something. And in that sense, like George Floyd's death uh, was a really transformational moment in the country where all of a sudden you saw these young people, black, white, brown, um, stepping up. and, and working to transform uh, a wrong and change the direction of the country. And so I think that's what he was – what I think was uh, amazing about that was, that one, denouncing where we've gotten to in our transactional politics, and then the other thing was sort of, again, going back to something that uh, we in the Dean campaign in 2004 were saying, like, you have the power to do something about this. Use it. Um, really inspiring young people around the country, I hope, uh, to take to take the gravity of this situation, the democracy being at stake, and them using their power to make it right. And so that that's the messaging that I think has been missing, uh, that I thought, that, I mean, I know a lot of people have been talking about different parts of Obama's speech, but that was the part that really just rang at, out at me um, through all the work that I've done since the
1: The Dean campaign and beyond, I think that's the message I hope people got. Joe, the one the one other thing that stood out from Barack Obama's speech, Michelle Obama's speech is like every single person was like pleading with people to vote. And you really look at the contrast between Democrats saying everybody's got to vote. Basically, the future of our democracy depends on it. And you look at the voter suppression efforts on the other side. It, it, the contrast there is really striking. Can, can we use that at all as you know, talking points in this campaign moving forward? Well,
0: it's going to be a big talking point. It's not, it's not just a talking point. It's got to happen. I mean, look, we're all living through the nightmare of 2016 where people stayed home uh, or enough that really made a big difference. So I think it shouldn't be a shock to anybody that a big part of the convention would be to speak directly to a lot of those people and say, you know, don't, don't sit home this time. Um, and again, it gets back to that transaction, transformational thing. You can, don't be sitting at home thinking you can't do anything about this. That, that's what they want. That's what Trump wants you to do. Um, come out, do something, get active, engage, uh, make a difference. That's transformational. And I think that's what, um, the, the closest I saw that was Obama's speech, was Barack Obama's speech. And, um, I think it was very – there were elements of it throughout, throughout the whole convention, obviously. Um, and even just the roll call um, and what that yeah, picture – uh, you know, it was inspiring in the way that I I hope uh, people got what this was all about. You know, all of us together, um, uh, we are America, and this is an American moment. And we, we look like America and are going to fight for America. You know, I mean, it was, that's the whole – uh, messaging i think that that really that really came through it's going to be fascinating to me to see how the um the republican convention convention feels for our days up um of trump uh railing against this group that group i mean that's it's almost again they're going to make either they continue to make the contrast or it's some really phony, I mean, some really, oh, yeah, the, the calm president reaching out to all sides to come together. That's gonna be,, uh, yeah, that people, people will like believe that. So that's why I don't think a whole lot can change here between the two conventions other than to to really create a you know, a stark, Contrast that we've been now seeing throughout the campaign that that right. contrast not going to change.
1: You know, speaking of phony, I don't know if you saw, but Kanye got thrown off the ballot in yeah. Wisconsin. It was for late registration. Late registration. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> you can't make some of this stuff up. You can't. And that's what the Trump folks helping them. Trying to, you know, I know
1: it was his lawyer that 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 walked in at like five oh one and fourteen seconds. Or as was like, yeah, yeah amateur it's just, hour. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: anyway, so well, he won't be uh he won't be pulling one or two points off in Wisconsin. Yeah, that's for sure.
1: Well. You know, we talk a lot about all the great moments from the convention, obviously some really powerful unity moments. But the one thing that we also kind of saw, especially in social media, and maybe it was just in the bubble, but progressives got a little frustrated at times. You saw John Kasich, you saw Mike Bloomberg speaking, and basically AOC got a minute. And there were probably just as many Republicans at this convention as there will be at the RNC. I'm a lifelong Republican but that attachment holds second place to my responsibility to my country. I'm sure there are Republicans and independents who couldn't imagine crossing over to support a Democrat. They fear Joe may turn sharp left and leave them behind. I don't believe that because I know the measure of the man. It's reasonable, faithful, respectful, and you know, no one pushes Joe around. Which by the way, I, throwback to the crossroads ad he did ten years ago. Some people thought that was weird, Alex. You do know that, right? <laughs> yeah. Well it was kinda like, Oh, what the hell is he oh, I get it now. Moment. Well that and he can't, hard yeah, to do. If, it two you, minutes, too. if you
0: knew the moment. They didn't do it. They didn't that's what they didn't do. That's what he didn't yeah. do. Uh, if you didn't know the moment, you're and most Americans probably don't. Uh, not falling closely a governor's yeah. race ten years ago.
1: Most Ohioans probably don't. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's what I mean. So uh, it, a lot of people probably were scratching their head at the beginning, but his
1: message was right. Yeah, well, I mean, even even President Obama admitted there weren't probably weren't a ton of undecided voters watching. I obviously you always talk about addition over subtraction, but you think the Republicans were able to move any, anyone anyone?
0: Well, it'll be the it's the coverage of it it's not the the convention I don't I agree with uh, uh, the notion that most undecideds are not tuning into either of these conventions uh, that's why they're undecided <laughs> I mean they'll, they'll tune in late uh, if if at all a lot of them um, but I think look you know this is about um, the coverage uh, it's about you know if if people see Colin Powell a snippet of Colin Powell, on the evening news or, or Kasich on the evening news, um, they're not going to see the, uh, the fight about what are these Republicans doing at the convention, right? They're, they're, what they're going to see is a Republican or somebody they perceive as leaning, um, Republican, or at least a moderate, even if, uh, they think Colin Powell's a Democrat. Um, he's not a flaming, crazy, you know, their picture, caricature of a liberal, um, Democrat. I think, The reality of this convention is twofold. It always was the same thing. Make sure you do enough in this convention to energize the base, to keep people focused, to get them to to be energized and turned out. I think Kamala, choosing her was a big piece of that. Um, uh, And again, she throughout her career has walked that line. Uh, between the moderate and I mean she's you can't really pigeon- either, even the Trump people are having a tough time trying to define whether she's too left or too too uh too tough on crime, right? So I I think one, her energizing people and the you know, and Obama and Michelle and the other thing and, and, and the roll call and other things that happen throughout, at the same time craft this decent civil both sides, moderates, safe place for moderate Republicans to come and feel welcome into the party. If you accomplish those two things at this convention, you have you have done an amazing job. And I think they did that. I mean, you can argue with, well, how come AOC didn't get this? Or how come that didn't happen? It's going to happen. First of all, if you're trying to do those two things, there are going to be people who are like, I don't get it. On, on both sides of that equation. Why, right. why are you doing it? Uh, I think they hit the right balance. I think they knocked it out of the, bar, the park on both counts. I think Biden had the speech of his life. Um, and I just can't wait to see how Trump and the Republicans feel four days uh, to sort of counter this. I mean, what what is it? We'll see. I can't wait to see it. Well,
1: you look at... So Democrats, it means I have to watch though, but okay. yeah, I know, right? You got Democrats giving each other a hard time because Colin Powell or John Kasich are speaking, and then the other side. There are a couple pieces of news this week. It was like the QAnon came out that that Loomer in Florida won the nomination. She's probably not going to win, hopefully. But you look at. I think they asked Trump in a press conference, like this group QAnon supports you. This is what they believe, and he goes, "I don't see why that's a bad thing."
0: Yeah. No, they, they like him. Hey, I mean, he said, you know, I, all I know about them is they like me. Well, that's yeah. that'll work. Um, so, no, that's what I'm saying. How are they going to fill? Maybe we'll have a QAnon speaker at the convention. Yeah. Um, so what do
1: you think it looks like next week?
0: I think a lot of screaming. <laughs> I just think I mean, I don't think I, I can't picture. First of all, I think the bigger issue is with Trump. Um, I don't know if he can pull off the dead to camera reading a teleprompter. I mean, everybody was out. Yes. Yeah. you're starting to see now Republicans out there saying, oh, yeah, of course, Joe was OK. He was reading from a teleprompter. OK, let's put them both to prompter for 30 minutes and see what happens. Right. I mean, it, Trump doesn't have the discipline to do it. He'll go off script. And even if he does stay on the prompter for 30 minutes. It is going to be the most stilted. I mean, he can, you know, he he will be staring at the, you know, at the words on the screen and you know he's staring at the words, not not talking to you. So I just think this is now I don't know. Maybe they'll get a get him a room full of people somehow. Um, uh, I You know, I, I'm sure that's what they'll try to do. I just don't know how they pull off given who the candidate is, I think.
1: So. Let's move to our audience question of the week. And this question is actually from a week ago, but it's really relevant, actually, got more relevant this week after the, the big Senate intel report from the Republican led Intelligence Committee about all the Trump campaign's contact with Russia in, in 16. Uh, fed up. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three wanted to know, should the Biden campaign and Democrats at large spend more time preparing voters for what foreign interference in the election looks like?
0: Well, look, I think it's uh, it's a good idea, but um, the foreign interference is already happening. Um, and I think the the more important thing um, for the campaign, for the Biden campaign, is to get people to vote, vote early. Um and to get their ballots in, I mean to get, I mean it, it's the whole thing. It's not just uh, foreign interference. It's the it's the subversion of the voting process, suppression, uh, voting suppression, uh, and the only counter to that is people taking, you know, getting people to take responsibility, go get their ballot, re- either request it or go get it, uh, right. vote in person at the courthouse, whatever. Um, and 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 that also means less time for. The disinformation to be, you know, you know, to be put out by by Russia or whoever, or just the 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 different uh, forces out there, or the president himself and his campaign. So I think it's more important to focus on that Um, foreign interference. I think it look it it is every day uh, now, and uh, you know we built the Trojan horse um, that lets. Uh, disinformation from anywhere um, travel pretty freely. And, uh, and we have a president that fans it, whether it's QAnon or or something else, right? So uh, I think the, the, the way, to, I think two things, I've said this before, we have to win big. This is not, we cannot let this be a close election. It has to be, the. It, I mean, I'm really hoping this is like 10, 12 points. Uh, And I think there's evidence out there that says we can do that if people don't stay at home, if they do vote, if they do vote early, um, if they're out there making phone calls for the campaign or whatever we can do together. um, That's what I think is the most important thing. The Biden campaign itself um, can only do so much. Um, But I do think it's uh, important to look too at the, the billion dollars we talked about with Trump I mean, all these forces are out there. They've been out there this entire time. The foreign interference, Trump spending a billion dollars, all of it. And it doesn't undo the contrast between Trump and Biden. It just doesn't. And that's what we need. That's what we need to keep holding up and drive to Election Day and, and win this thing. So thanks for listening to that trippy show. If you have a question, please submit it on iTunes in the review section. Um, Alex tries to pick out a couple, and I, I look at him and fed up eight, seven, six, five, four, three. We pulled that one out today, um, and we'll, we'll pull more. Um, at the beginning, I did mention a special announcement. Our next show will come out Monday, and it's featuring our first guest, Senator Doug Jones. Um, I've worked with him uh, for the last three and a half uh, years. And we have a lot to talk about. Um, I think you'll, you'll find it a, a, a very special episode. So please check back on Monday for that one. Thanks again for listening. I don't know if I can keep this promise, but I promise Alex will be sharper next time. See you Monday.